Well, welcome back to our podcast. My name is Jim Hughes, and this is The Gospel According to Jesus. I want to open up with a couple of scriptures. The first one is in Psalms 34, 1 and 2. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Verse 2, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear and be glad. And our second scripture is our theme scripture, which is Amos 8.11. It says, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread or a thirst for water, but rather for hearing the words of the Lord. And we so much desperately need the words of the Lord today. So we are excited. We're starting a new year, and I wanted to kick off this new year with a discipleship series called the Basic Christian Lesson Series. And really, these are going to be a number of messages on just basic Christianity, the things that we need to understand and need to learn as Christians. I'll have other messages throughout the year, but this series of messages will be about our life in Christ and the very fundamentals of that life. So throughout my walk with God since I was saved, I've been studying what it means to be a Christian and what are the basics of our Christian walk. A lot of what we talk about in the next few podcasts is going to be from my experiences and study of the scriptures and Christian generals. Some of those generals are, and and I'm not going to name all of them, but some of them are from people like Richard Warmbrandt. A.W. Tozer and Leonard Ravenhill, Reinhard Bonnke and Watchman Nee. We see so much hype in churches and secondary meetings, not a lot on how to walk with God day to day, not a lot about. A while back, I was at a meeting in a church that had a great guest speaker that really inspired me. And some of what he had to say was so encouraging to my heart and to where I was in, in Christ. and But it inspired me, and I could tell that it inspired other, others in the meeting. And he was basically talking about the voice of the martyrs, how people are dying for their faith in Christ and truly walking the walk. Then a couple of weeks later, I was at another gospel meeting, and the guest speaker was just talking about being blessed and having the favor of God. And, and I truly believe in those principles. I've been blessed beyond my wildest dreams and my walk with God over the last 30 years. In fact, I'm going to be able to retire from my secular job very early in life and very soon because of the blessings of God, of us being able to sow into the kingdom of God and seeing God move in a powerful way and the blessings of God being upon me and my family. I've always been a giver and operated in the principles of sowing and reaping. And listen, that's going to be one of our discipleship messages coming up is about sowing and reaping. But that is only one aspect of our walk with God. And to be honest with you, of the first things that a new believer learns and should learn. But as I looked out at the folks that were in this meeting, I could not help but think about the other fundamentals of Christianity they needed to learn. As I looked out over the crowd, over the people that were in that meeting and saw a lot of them struggling, saw a lot of them not understanding 
their place in Christ and what God has done for them. And so it just really concerned me that this basic discipleship that we need to understand as believers isn't being taught very much. Basic discipleship lessons. So I hope to work through some of those fundamentals in this series of messages. But we're going to start out with a look at Romans as our starting point for our basic Christian life, which we first find in the first eight chapters of this epistle into the book of Romans. And we shall approach our subject from a practical point of view. It would be helpful, first of all, to point out a natural division of these sections of Romans into two and to note certain striking differences in the subject. We will see these differences as we go through them, one by one, and as I teach on them. In this first message, we're going to break down the word sin. So what do you think about when you think about sin? What do you think about when you think about the fact that we all struggle with this? Every one of us struggle with this word sin. Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men. For that we all here is speaking about how sin came into the world through one man, Adam. Adam's fall in the garden brought sin into the world, into mankind. Just as God told Adam what the consequences of sin would bring, which was death. Clearly, in this context of Genesis 3, Adam and Eve died spiritually, instantly. They were separated from God, and they hid themselves. Their relationship with God was broken. But in Romans 5.12, we see in context that Paul is clearly speaking of physical death. It was not God's original plan that man would die spiritually or physically. He created man for fellowship with him. He created the Garden of Eden for them to have a place. But sin, by one man, came in and changed it all. I mean, we are where we are today because of this sin. We are where we are. We're talking about this. We're preaching the gospel. We're talking about how people can be saved because of what happened in the Garden. Sin came in and changed everything. So sin used in Romans 5 is the sin that is inherited. Well, what do you mean, brother? What do you mean it was inherited? How did it become inherited? So mankind passes that sin on through his offspring. When my son Joshua was born, it was a glorious day. We originally decided that we were not going to have kids Then after we both were saved, God changed our hearts about that, and we decided to start a family. So Joshua was born. And we would hold him in the hospital, and we would look at him, and we would stare at him, and it was just so precious to see him. And many of my friends and many of the people in the church would come, and they would see. And many of the friends that I had or or people that were in the church that would come and visit They would look at Joshua and they would hold him and they would say, huh, Jim, he looks a lot like you. He he looks really a lot like you. And I would think, man, he's hours old. How could that possibly be? Brand new, just hours out of the womb. But again, somebody would say, man, Jim, he, he really looks a lot like you. 
Just about everyone that visited us that day would tell us that. You see, Joshua inherited my looks. He had nothing to do with it. He had no choice in the matter. But it just became an inheritance of him. He didn't look through a catalog and pick out his nose and his brown eyes and his mouth. He just received them. He inherited them. No, he got his looks from my wife, Cleo, and myself. He is stuck with what he got. He has no control over that. Like it or not, it's the same way with the first use of the word sin in Romans 5. It's inherited. We inherited sin from Adam. We can't do anything about it because we are in Adam. So in my family, we are all from the Hughes. We are from the Hughes clan, which originated in Ireland. So we are seven generations removed from the Hughes clan in Ireland since that first Hughes landed in America, on America's shores. But it doesn't matter. We are all from the Hugheses. Now, if the first Hughes male would have died and never had children, then all the Hugheses would have died with him. I would never been born. You see, it's the same way with us. And when it comes to our humanity, all humanity is in Adam. We are all in Adam. So Adam sinned against God, and he passed that down to us. Well, that doesn't seem fair. That doesn't seem right. Well, that's the way it is. That sin was passed down to each and every one of us. Now listen, in Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned. Who have sinned? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. How did they all sin? How did all mankind sin? It was inherited. It was inherited from Adam. So all the sin that's in the world was passed down through Adam. So that sin, that word sin, in that part of Romans, talks about what we inherited, what we have, that we have no choice in it. It was given to us. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And secondly, there's the, there is the manifested sin. Well, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by the manifested sin? This is the sin that we do. Because of our nature, because of what we inherited from Adam, that sin comes out of us. These are the acts of sin. The acts of sin. Paul tells us in Galatians 3.24, Wherefore the law is our schoolmaster, it brings us to Christ. The law shows us the acts of sin, what we do wrong in the sight of God. It brings it clear. It shows us. There are the acts or the manifested sin. It is always difficult and dangerous to attempt to list sins according to their degree of seriousness. We all try to do this. We all think about it. We put a price tag on it. We think, well, my sin is not as great as that person's sin. Well, I, 
God doesn't put a price tag on it. God doesn't put a degree of seriousness on it. In one sense, all sins are equal in that they are all separating us from God. They all separate us from God. The Bible's statement for the wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23 applies to all sin, whether in thought, word, or deed. We all sin. So we sin and ask for forgiveness, and we sin again. And this vicious cycle of sinning and being forgiven, it goes on and on and on. And we say as Paul did in Romans 7, 24, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? That is why Paul says that the law is our schoolmaster. It drives us to Christ. We see a shadow of this in our laws in our homeland. We break the law by speeding. What happens? The consequences of breaking that law, we get a ticket, and we have to pay a certain amount of money for that ticket. The breaking of the human laws drives us to the judge, and we pay for that with a fine. We keep paying for each violation, no matter how many times it happens. The problem is the human law is not a remedy. So let me just tell you a story. When I was 17 years old, I wanted to purchase a truck. So I had my license for a year, and I did not have enough money to pay cash for it. So I went to my sister, my older sister, and I asked her if I could borrow the money. And, you know, she talked to me about that and she, you know, she wanted to help. She said, well, you know, Jim, at your age, it would be better to go to a dealership and purchase it. She said it would help you establish credit. Well, that was a big deal, right? It still is. I mean, everybody wants good credit, but I was starting out and so I thought that was a good idea. So I found this truck I really liked and I spoke with the salesman about the price and what it would cost me per month. And he told me what the payment would be per month. And I thought I could afford that. I could make that payment with what I'm making. I was going to college at the time and I was also working full time. So I filled out the paperwork and the salesman says that he needs to check my driving record to see what kind of insurance was needed to have for this vehicle. So I told him, you know, I had some traffic tickets and, but they had all been paid. So then two days later I was working and I was working at my job and the phone rang. And so I answered the phone and he didn't say, hello, Jim, or hello, Mr. Hughes, or he wasn't even polite. He just said very loudly, you have 11 tickets on your record. He said, I can't even believe that. You have 11 tickets. He said, the cost of insurance for your truck, if you choose to get it, is going to be more each month than the truck payment. Well, even though human law drives us to the judge, there is no remedy for these infractions but to keep paying for them. But with God, it's different. He has a remedy. 
He knows what the remedy is. It's his son, Jesus. For God so loved the world that he made a remedy, his son, Jesus. So God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe upon him would not perish, but have everlasting life. See, that is the remedy. God's remedy was his son. Christ has paid the infractions, no matter how many, for all eternity. See, that's where, the, where God's dual remedy comes in. God has made a way. See, we don't have to keep thinking we got to go to the judge and pay the fine over and over and over. We don't have to keep thinking that we have to do something, that we have to, you know, be good enough, that we have to attain a certain level of goodness for Christ to love us. The scripture says that why we were yet sinners, now listen to this, why we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He went to the cross for us. Christ has paid the infraction. It doesn't matter how many. That is the remedy for all of us. But see, there's not just one remedy. There's a dual remedy. This is the concept that makes Christianity the only hope for humanity. It's not man striving, struggling, going to the judge over and over, paying a penalty over and over, trying to please the Creator. It's God reaching down to man with His love and making a way for Him. That is so awesome. Just think about that a minute. God has made a way through His Son, Jesus. He has made a way that we don't have to keep coming to the judge over and over and over. See, just so that that man couldn't believe all those tickets that I had had, thought that was going to be it for me as far as getting that truck. The infractions were many. But look, when it comes to our walk with God, it doesn't matter what the infractions are. Amen? It doesn't matter what you've done. Christ has made a way. He has made a way, and he has dealt with this sin issue. So we're going to pick this up next time and go into the dual remedy that will blow your mind how God put this together. But first, to understand this, you have to have your heart right with God. If you want these principles to work for you, and your heart has to be his, has to belong to him. And there's only one way that that's going to happen. There's only one way that your heart belongs to Christ. Now listen to this. I've already mentioned this scripture. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Who's the world? You're the world. Those of you that are listening to this podcast, you're the world. I'm the world. He did it for us. He's not a respecter of person. You don't have to earn it. You obviously don't deserve it. But this gift of salvation, God gives to you freely. And if you want that today, if you don't know where you stand with God right now, I'm, I'm talking to you. Those of you that are listening, 
if you don't know where you stand with God. You know, I just recently went to a memorial for a woman that I worked with. And, you know, I really was there just to be gracious to her husband. He was devastated by the loss. But I have no idea where she stood with God. And that's a scary place to be. And maybe that's you. You don't have any idea. But look, God has made a way. We've just gone through that. He has made a way to rectify your sin. So if you're ready, we can pray right now. God wants to make your life different. Well, Jim, I mean, how do we do that? How does that happen? Well, first of all, you have to recognize that you're a sinner. We just went through that. You can't think to yourself, well, I'm not really that bad. I mean, we just went through that. Everybody inherited the sin. You have to recognize you're a sinner. And then secondly, you have to recognize you need a Savior. Jesus is the Savior. That's what he went to the cross for, was to reconcile you back to the Father. And now you have to make a decision. You have to make a decision to follow him. You have to make a decision to give your life to him, to repent, to to turn away from your sin, nature, turn away from your sin, and turn to God. And if you're ready to do that, let's just pray right now. I just want you to repeat this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner. I've made many mistakes. I recognize that there is sin within me. And I just ask you right now to forgive me all of my sin, to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Lord, I am a sinner, and I need a Savior. And I ask Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior today. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done for me. Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God, for writing my name down in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I vow to follow you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. If you've done that today, I want to hear from you. This is exciting. The fact that you've given your life to Christ, no greater joy, no greater event in your life will ever happen. And if you've done that today, please let me know. My email address is jimhughes71 at hotmail.com. jimhughes71 at hotmail.com. And until next time, thanks for listening and God bless you. Bye-bye.